Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. Guts, Barry. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Good morning, everybody. This is Annie for 3CR's Look at the Australian Film Industry. And uh, I've got this wonderful uh, conversation that I did with uh, Selena Miles, who has uh, made a film called Martha, A Picture Story. And it's a documentary about uh, the woman who was part of creating the Bible, effectively, that uh, uh, the art scene that's related to graffiti uh, work on it, it, uh, it, 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 she's a photographer. She's a photographer, and she's she's just a woman who uh, uses her artistic spirit to continually take shots. And uh, the Hollywood uh, Reporter says that eighty of the happiest minutes documentary lovers are likely to spend in a theatre is what they call Martha, a picture story. And I probably have to agree. Uh, and the filmmaker herself is a wonderful person. I caught her on Tuesday just before she was going off to the Atom Awards because her film was up as uh, for Best uh, Art Documentary. Uh, And uh, the film itself has got a theatrical release uh, starting tonight. Anyway, here we go. Have a listen to my chat with uh, Selena. Thanks for coming in and talking to us, Selena. Thanks for having me. You're the uh, director and I know cinematographer. And did you edit it as well? Partially, yes. Partially, yeah. Uh, This great film called uh, Martha, A Picture Story. That's it, exactly. Uh, And we're talking about Martha Martha Cooper. Um, It was great to see that film. Uh, You follow her life. How did you decide to make her the, uh, uh, the centrepiece of this documentary? I I first met Martha Cooper in person at a street art festival in Tahiti, of all places. But I first heard of her work about five years before that. Growing up in Brisbane, I had friends that were interested in graffiti. And um, you don't make it very far through that culture without hearing her name. Uh, she she authored a book along with Henry Chalfont called a, a Subway Art. And it's still referred to as the... Bible of Graffiti. It was a, a, a book that came out in 1984 and it really provided a template and a, it, was, it was almost textbook-like in its detail about the graffiti that was happening in New York at the time. Uh, so when I met her, I, I knew who she was and uh, after a couple of years of working uh, beside her annually at this festival, I approached her to make a, a short piece about her, her career 
And uh, during sort of the making of that short piece, it escalated into a feature film. Tell me about your filmmaking background. So I really discovered filmmaking through my interest in, in the arts. I've, I've always documented street art and graffiti and uh, I didn't go to film school. I sort of learned by doing my first job was in an edit, as, as an editor uh, for Ironlack, which is an Australian spray paint manufacturer. And uh, I would get sent all this footage from all over the world and I had to sort of put it together and it was a great way to learn because they had such a loyal audience already existing online uh, and also learn about what graffiti What was this culture. about um, graffiti? They yeah, were yeah. Pieces it was, about graffiti. It was just like... A Little art docos. Not even a doco. It was more just sort of like people, you know, different walls getting painted around the world set to music. So it was quite sort of elementary, but... Oh, and you're actually showing from the beginning to the middle to the end. Yes. Okay. Yeah, like the process. The process. Like, pro, like online promotional type of type of films. And they were selling the paints that were being used. Yes, they were the sponsor. So they'd send a bunch of spray paint to someone in Copenhagen and they'd paint a wall with a few different artists and then they'd send back the footage and I would edit it together and it would go on YouTube. Oh, and, fantastic. you know, this is 10 years ago and some of these would get, 50,000 views, which at the time was a lot. So that was my no, so first tell me, job. Tell me about first doing that. When you, they mm-hmm. gave you footage, what mm. did you do? How did you deal with that? Just Googled how to edit video and <laughs> just, you know, Googled my well, way that, through. That, that's the practical aim. Mm. But then you must have infused, when you edit, you mm. infuse artistic decision making. I I really vividly remember the first time that I sat down to cut together some footage that I'd shot of a friend that was a graffiti writer and it was really like a light bulb moment for me. I just, you know, I was studying multimedia design, which was a great course because I did a little bit of everything. Uh, And I had a film course during that time, but it didn't really, like like sort of film history didn't really click with me. But that day that I sat down, I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. (laughs) Yeah, it's fantastic because I I remember doing a... um uh, I had to do a thesis and I was doing mm. it on documentaries mm-hmm. and uh, there's this sequence in it that, uh, that what I was looking at was Russian filmmakers mm. and uh, there's a sequence in it where this person first uses a, a close-up and a cutaway mm. and someone did it for the first time mm. and I thought, oh God, that just blows you away yeah. and it's exactly the same thing with this graffiti uh, and her documenting it, isn't mm. it? Because she... And uh, she she said something very interesting in this film, which was, I mean, she said lots of interesting things, but she said something really interesting to me, which is that thing about, I like taking pictures. I don't like making pictures. Mm. And when she was being used, uh, she got an assignment with National Ge- Geographics. Mm. She was actually telling people what, how mainstream media creates propaganda. Mm. It was yes. fascinating. Yes, uh, the the National Geographic approach is uh, quite incredible. I wish I could have included more of that story in the film. Uh, I mean, behind the scenes, I I recorded a conversation between her and Susan Welchman, who was her photo editor at National Geographic for she was there for thirty five years, and back in the days before digital photography, um, they would send a photographer on an assignment sometimes for five years, and they would bring back hundreds of thousands of exposures, like actual physical film, 
and from that they would make a story that would maybe be five images and um you know it's just like no no limit on the amount of money or time that could go into a story because it was just the pinnacle of photojournalism and there was just so many people reading that magazine i mean there still are and um it's quite incredible but it's not Martha's style, you know. No, but isn't that fascinating? Yeah. So, uh, it's your your journey into filmmaking is pretty fascinating uh, in itself. Uh, I was really fascinated by her uh, career, and you quite clearly were too, as a lone um, artist. Effectively, that's what she is. She's mm-hmm. a she. She took on. Uh, she just followed her own star, basically. Mm. Can you talk about how you, uh, how much footage you must have shot in order to get the story that you actually created? So, I remember coming to the to the point of of starting to work with an editor, and um, you know the conversation usually starts with how much have you got, and I think I had seventy hours. And six hours of, of like usable interview, which I thought was just a huge amount of material, but that's actually quite normal yeah, for a documentary. And I remember listening to Erin Casper, who's an amazing editor. Uh, she cut, she worked with um, Laura Poitras um, on films like Risk um, about Julian Assange, and, and she had she in her um, presentation at this AIDC conference a couple of years ago was talking about a film she made called American Promise. And I think they had 700 hours of footage. Yep. Um, and when you start to get to those kinds of numbers, I think that the, the sort of dealing with the volume of material becomes like quite a big challenge. But for this film, that wasn't so much of a challenge. Like, I, you know, I could have I could have kept going for a lot longer. But, um, yeah, I think I think we had a good amount to work with. Oh, yeah, that's interesting because mm. often what happens is you don't get enough. Right? Yeah, yeah, uh, or the not the right stuff, yeah. Or not the right stuff. Mm-hmm. So interesting that you you felt quite comfortable with what you got. Yes, I think you've well you've also got to know when to stop. And um you know, cuz it's just you know, it's time and money that that could, you know could be spent elsewhere. Um but yeah, it's it's I I learned a lot from this process uh about about shooting because some days, you know, you think you get you know, you end up somewhere documenting something that's happening and you think, I'm never going to use this. Why am I here? I'm tired. Yeah. I want to go home. And what an um, idiot. Yeah. Or, you know, you're just, you know, you're kind of reluctant and resistant to, to being there. And then that material months later becomes that link that you've needed, that you had no idea that you even had. You'd kind of written that footage off. And, and then sort of on the inverse, you have other times where you think this is going to be so important and then it just doesn't quite work. So... It really taught me to just try and sort of carry an energy of openness and patience and curiosity all the time when yeah, you're shooting, you know, yeah. and just sort of have faith and trust and a sense of kind of calm that you're right where you need to be. Yeah, because I think it's the professionalism. I know that with uh, radio doing that, I sometimes feel that too. I, mean, mm. I just make myself do it even mm-hmm. though. And uh, what you discover is you didn't know that that – you didn't know that. You know, you're mm-hmm. like uh, doing Vox Pop and stuff like that. You see, you think, oh, you know, it's just the same thing. But then you ask people stuff and they tell you this stuff you never expected to hear, yeah. which is really fascinating. Uh, you obviously had a couple of streams running through it. You know, you had Martha, but she's not an egomaniac. 
She's you know? a she's a fascinating person. She's uh, really into what she's doing, and I love that. And then the next thing is, of course, is you've got people who were the artists mm. who did this great cultural burgeoning, which has affected uh, art since the the young chaps who were the younguns who were doing all this stuff to express themselves mm. in the subways at that time. Uh, her photographs of uh, the street and the kids are just so revealing, effectively. Mm. Mm. Um, tell me about how you collected together the people who were actually in those photos. Um, that wasn't that wasn't actually particularly difficult, surprisingly, because a lot of those kids um, went on to become the artists who have gone on to become really successful contemporary artists today and they're still working, they're still in New York. I mean, unfortunately, there's also a a fair share that have passed away that, you know, um, you know, I think it's, it's unfortunate that I think one of, one of the things I've noticed is it was around the time of the HIV crisis in New York, you know, and a lot, a lot of brilliant artists were lost, uh, through that or through sort of other pitfalls of of that. And that a lot of these of people are of colour mm-hmm. and uh, that can be dangerous in America. Yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, it's... Th- there's Oh, and Australia. <laughs> yeah. And there's, I mean, there's so many people that I wished I could have spoken to who sadly aren't around to, a, to have seen um, how it's all gone. But... Um, the ones that 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 are that are around were so open and so willing to share their stories, and I kind of followed my nose. I, f- I found that Martha had a pretty clear idea of who she thought might be worth speaking to, and um, and then also it was all very circular. You know, you'd speak to this person, and they'd tell the story of this person. You'd go and see them, and then they'd mention this, and it all connected. In and there was this kind of mantra. Everyone that I spoke to, when I said, oh, thank you so much for giving me your time, they'd all say, oh, anything for Marty, anything for Martha. I heard that from, you know, in Baltimore, in New York, in Brazil. It was so, it was uncanny how 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 sort of uni- uh, universal that, that gratitude is that people have for her and her work. Um, so, and, and then once I got into the edit, there were sadly a, a couple of interviews that I didn't include just because we realized that, when you're telling such a big story of like a, it's kind of spans a lot of different decades and it's, it goes into a lot of different sort of cultural, socio-economic little moments and that are relevant. The only way to kind of make that work is to stick with Martha. So everyone that we speak to was there with her in that moment that we're talking about. There's no sort of speculation or objective opinions. It's all, you know, and uh, it's all sort of present. And I think that, makes it work. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, there are a few that we had to leave out, sadly. Tune in to On Screen and find out more about what's on the big and the small screen each Saturday, 11am till 12 noon on 3CR. It's a program on film, on filmmakers and on film festivals. It's called On Screen, mm, but it's on the radio, 3CR.
You're on Showreel with Annie on 3CR and it's our look at the Australian film industry and uh, what's going on there. At the moment we're having a chat with Selena Miles who is the filmmaker who's made Martha a picture story. So let's get go, get on with our conversation. It opens tonight. I did an interview with a person who made the uh, Have You Met the Listers? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Now, th- yeah. you come from Brisbane. Yes, yes. So it's quite clear that the whole concept of graffiti mm. is really important in uh, Brisbane as an expression and also that it was so dissed by the council, yeah. which is quite <laughs> bizarre. Oh, <laughs> I yes. Just quite bizarre. Um so obviously the politic of a graffiti and its ex- its expressive message and also I guess it's – I mean these people were doing this in the 70s but it's still considered to be a young person or a, not a, even a young person's but a, a people's uh, expressive tool outside the confines of the establishment. Mm. Is it? That, that's mm-hmm. what's going on here, right? Yes, I think so. I think so. And I think that... Uh, I, I don't know, the reason why I bring up Brisbane is mm. that that claustrophobia, cultural mm. claustrophobia <laughs> that's obviously being expressed there was also what was going on in New York at that time. Yeah, very different environments, yeah. very different uh, sets of challenges for the people in New York in the 70s versus Brisbane. I think, you know, we've got it pr- pr- a, lot, a lot better than people had it in the Bronx back then. But, um, oh, yeah. But, but it's the same thing in a is. sense, or and else it wouldn't be international. That's what I'm getting yeah, at. Yeah, and isn't it funny that um, the same, you know, the, the, the graffiti spread around the world, um, along with sort of hip hop culture, through these few texts like Subway Art, there's a film called Style Wars, another one called Wild Style. Very, very few documents um, p- before the internet, you know, with, with very little encouragement from sort of, the, you know, organized media. Or money. Or my, very little money it. was about it. having no money. In fact, it's almost an offshoot of punk. Yeah, in a lot of ways. And it's, and it's funny that, that um, you know, establishments or, you know, the powers that be in all these different places have also responded to it in the same way. Yeah. And, like, you know, even given the different circumstances. And I also noticed throughout making this film that this, this, the, the cities or the countries where it really took off there are some similarities and I noticed like Germany, for example, like post, you know, um, post World War Two, Germany was a place where a lot of young kids just like really latched onto hip hop culture as well as Brazil um, coming out of a, you know, being a democracy for the first time in I think it was 40 years. Um, really kids in Brazil really latched onto it as well. So um, yeah, there's there's something something funny going on there. I still can't really put my finger on it, but it's definitely a universal thing that young people want to make their mark out there in the world, um, whether or not they're supposed to be or allowed to be doing it. Oh, it's so. funny, you know, because in that period, uh, it's illegal. You know, having people of a young age, of a particular age, probably sixteen. And below, having bags full of spray paint is, mm. I think there's a law against it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it still is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah. exactly right. It's pretty curious. So you are actually, your film is uh, uh, being, is uh, part of the Atom Awards, like it's been nominated uh, yes. for Best Documentary. Can you tell us about that? 
Yes, it's nominated for Best Arts Documentary. There's quite a few different sort of documentary categories, but, yeah, we're nominated for the Best Arts Documentary. And the awards ceremony is tonight. Yeah, which is very exciting. Yeah, yeah well, good luck wait. for that. Thank you. But more importantly, probably, in a funny kind of a way, is that it's got a theatrical release. Yes, so can you tell us about how you went about getting that theatrical release? Yeah, sure. So we've we've had the support of Umbrella, um, which is a, a wonderful sort of distributor in Australia from quite early on in the project. So they're um, the ones sort of helping us get the film out there. We've got 35 cinemas around the country and um, the film's coming out this Thursday, the 28th. Um, I was really surprised, I guess, and interested to to hear from the certain distributors that we were working with that they really saw this as a, as a theatrical film. And I, 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 I was like, oh, I never, I never sort of thought about that before. And they said that one of the sort of largest demographics of consumers of cinema nowadays are older women. Um, and this is a film that really speaks to that audience. Yeah, yeah. Which is also so funny because it's also a film about graffiti. And it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's... Well, see, that, one of the things expect. that I found really interesting was that I it, that whole period of history uh, of her doing what she did and her decision making about her career and stuff, mm. it it does actually plot the whole of that period of female uh, self empowerment. Mm. You know, despite mm-hmm. despite what uh, establishment was saying, like even down to the great stuff to do with. Uh, her cousin and how they decided they were going to travel from mm. uh, right across Asia on a, a motorbike mm. and all those. They just decided to do it. Now in And there were sort of uh, outliers of people who did that sort of thing in the past, females who did that sort of thing in the past. Uh, but uh, these were just, uh, as her cousin said, I got the child and she got married. We sort of was we did the conservative things, but in two different people. Yeah. <laughs> they were they were a real hoot. What they're really saying is, this is how you can live a life. Mm-hmm. It's about how you live a good life. Yes. Yeah, it's quite fascinating. Did you find that interesting yourself? Because you're a young person, and did you mm. find her? Uh, she's a genuine person. Yeah, I mean, I have this. I have these kind of moments of cognitive dissonance sometimes, where I'm watching archive of her mm. from the 1970s and it's the same person but she's my age and then I s- speak to her now and she's she's I forget that there's this huge sort of generation gap because she's so forward thinking and so uh, adaptable and and open-minded um so I just it just kind of confuses me <laughs> whenever I think about it the things that she's lived through but um, it's not age, is it? It's a, it's personal. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. But she said, oh, I don't like going back over this. Mm. I'm always about going ahead. Yeah. She's always – but that's her artistic spirit. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Yes, and and um, it was – I think I think this has come – just personally come at a really uh, good time for me in my life to have this role model of a, of a woman who uh, didn't want to have kids – didn't never was interested in that and all she's ever really wanted to do is take photos and that's what she's done and she's very happy with her life and she's lived a very full life and found a family for herself in her community through her work all over the world and um yeah it's 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 really affirming to to see that you know there's lots of different ways to 
to succeed and to and to live your life and um the i think the only important thing is that you be yourself and be true to yourself and don't listen to anyone that tells you otherwise yeah i think it was really fascinating and i i was really really taken with that bit that you put in with the man from the gallery yeah that was so superb because oh. and her smiling at him mm. we don't want to have smiling people in our photos because mm. and it was so fascinating because in that tiny little bit you encapsulated the difference between art and commerce yeah oh it's it's um it's i'm so glad that we captured that moment i didn't realize until later that what it how it was going to play in the film and i i think even more recently, I realized why, what it is about that that works. And it's not so much what he says. He says, he says, um, if you look across the history of art, you're not going to see that many smiles. So we're not going to put smiling people in this show. And she says, it's not cool. And she says, why? And he, and he, that's the moment that's important. He can't explain it. And then he says, that's just the way it is, which is just such a cop out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, but yeah, he's also, he plays his role perfectly. He's running a high-end gallery in New York and they're running a business and, and you know, they're part of a greater industry and, you know. Um, so, and it's almost yeah. like he's missing life. Like yeah. life's going on outside. Mm. It's going on outside. And that thing about the wall that became painted uh, blue, pale blue, when there used to be this fantastic mural on it yeah the wild style wall yeah the wild style it's wall. a great symbol of new york as a whole you know it's all been painted over and concreted over and made clean and tidy yeah yeah it's a real class statement isn't it it is yeah, yeah. totally also the footage where did you get the fo- archival footage did she take a person with her when she was doing that uh, when she went to the hip-hop thing or yeah. when they were uh, that stuff i've read in stories about mm. the, the period where they were basically uh, obliterating the uh, buildings mm. and causing complete mayhem to the people with lower economic groups in mm. New York and then blaming them, the victims, for which is what. But there's actual footage of it here in this film, which I found quite fascinating. Yes, that was a real challenge, uh, how, how to sort of approach that footage because it's it is it's a question that everybody asks where did it come from and we tried to find a way to explain it but it didn't quite never never quite worked and then kind of made the decision that it probably didn't matter um so much but it was actually shot by her ex-husband oh right yeah and he's a he was he's a wonderful a, cinematographer and he he's, was. I mean, he was an anthropologist yeah um but i think he just went along for the ride and and captured a whole bunch of her working on on super 8 and it was in his basement in Colorado in a box. No one had looked at it since the 80s. Wow. So I'm very, very grateful to, to him. Stuart Guthrie, thank you. <laughs> well, that's um, good. I mean, he yeah. wasn't an unpleasant person. They no, just They just he, went on their own ways. Yeah, I think he really loved her. And I think yeah. it's re- you can really tell in the, in the material. Um, but, yeah, I think they, you know, she's... She just had other 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 plans for her life. Still very good friends, so he was very willing to help us with the film. But I decided not to interview him just because I didn't think I just didn't think that that that, that story needed to take up too much real estate. You know, yeah. um, there's already so much going on. So I don't think, yeah. And I think it's nice to have a film about a woman that doesn't have to answer the, those sort of questions about family, you know, because Martha's just not given it much thought herself. So, Well, I actually, yeah. it's interesting because when they make a films about male artists, mm. they never spend time on it. Mm-hmm. 
They yeah. never do. Yeah. Uh, so it was interesting and I did notice mm. that that was exactly what you did. Yeah, I think... And I think it was uh, a strength of the film. Thank actually. you. Yeah, I think that it's often touched on. I'm th- like I'm thinking of um, the wonderful documentary about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah, that was an important relationship. Yeah, and it and it and it yeah, and it. But often it's that question of, well, how did this woman manage to achieve all these things? Like, and it and in Ruth's case, it was you know very it was much a unit with the support of her partner. But um, yeah, in Martha's case, she kind of did it on her own. Just as an aside, uh, there's a documentary about a woman who's a, a photographer in New York as well, finding Vivian. Maya, she in a sort of a way was a more unhappy version of mm. Martha. She's just a complete and utter artist. Mm, I know. But it's so sad because, uh, well, I mean, whether she wanted the recognition or not, we're not sure, but she didn't get to see her photos being appreciated. It's no. so sad. And I'm so grateful to have been able to make this film while Martha's around, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because it's been really satisfying seeing her. Um, getting some of that recognition that's been missing for the last sort of few decades. So I actually yeah. thought that too. I thought, oh wow, fantastic that you you made this film. Mm. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, this is a very good film and a very important film, really. Oh, thank you. That's fabulous to hear. <laughs> thank you. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.